0: And these are our stories. G'day, it's James Klebassa here from Stepdad Success. And today we've got another interview. And today we've got on the line Kevin M. Vossen. And I hope I'm saying that correctly. But Kevin is a father of five uh, and an Ironman, a big world traveler, and also has an interesting background in marketing of seafood and also juices, lots of different stuff. We will dive deeper into Kevin's background, um, but he is also an avid coach of dads um, in, a, in a little bit of a different way to, to what I'm doing here at Stepdad Success, but we'll dive into that as well. Um, Kevin also speaks French and has spent a bit of time in France, and I'm interested to hear a bit more of that story, but um, let's dive in now. Kevin, welcome to the show, mate. Uh, great to have you here, and um, looking forward to hearing a bit more of your story around parenting.
1: Yeah, thanks. I'm excited to be here. It's Kevin Wazan, which makes no sense, Wazan, but it's a okay. Cajun- Cajun French from South Louisiana, so very much impossible to look at and say correctly at the same time.
0: I know. Uh, I apologise for that, mate, but um, yeah, <laughs> I'm sure you probably get that fairly often.
1: It's good. It's great because it, I always know when someone's a telemarketer right away. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: mate, um, as I said, welcome to the show. Awesome to have you here, and we've just met recently, um, you know, at uh, at a convention that we're both involved with with the warrior movement um you know maybe we can talk a little bit about that a little bit down the track but first of all just give me the brief history of kind of yourself and your family and just you know where you're based and and just the basics there for us sure
1: yeah so i live in Homa, louisiana which is about an hour south of new orleans Uh, if you take your finger and put it on new orleans louisiana in the south of the u.s and drag it all the way to the water there's there's homer right on right on the gulf coast of uh of the United States right. um, I've got five kids so I have three from my first marriage um then my wife has one child Isabella from her first marriage and then we have uh Liam who is our child together so we have his hers and ours uh, they make a nice little fist with Liam being the opposing thumb and the DNA that unites us all so it's it's a uh, it's really right now, it's the summertime here, which is great because during the summer, all the kids live with me. Um, and typically, I'm raising five kids in three school systems in two different states. So my my ex moved to Houston, which is about a six hour drive away. Um, and so we're managing this crazy life where we have a house there, a house here. Um, I'm, initially, my, my ex had gotten the, uh, I was able to move to Austin, Texas. Uh, The worst mistake of my entire life uh, in the wake of our divorce, kind of part guilt and part complete overconfidence in what I could do as a human being, uh, she wanted to move back with her family. Now, her family's nine hours away, uh, and I was just so completely overcome. Oh, yeah, sure, go ahead. No problem. I'll just fly out every other weekend, um, which was just (laughs) – it, wow. It's devastating. It's devastating to me now to look back at the man that I was, you know, eight, nine years ago and think, what a douche. Like, what? How could I? That? Like, what was I thinking? Well, I, I can tell you immediately, uh, she moved out three days later uh, after we signed that agreement. And I remember vividly walking back into the house uh, and she had packed everything. Even the food in the fridge was gone, the food, everything. Even the stuff I was keeping, she packed it and moved it to a storage. So the the house was completely empty. Uh, and when I walked in, I was shocked because I didn't know. I assumed that she would just pack her stuff and leave. Uh, and I dropped my ink pen. I had an ink pen in my hand. I dropped it. I remember it hit the ground, and I heard it echo in two completely separate places in the house. Wow. Uh, and And at that moment, I was like, oh shit yeah it's real yeah so uh for the next five years every other weekend i drove 18 hours round trip to see the kids uh which really sucked because i you know i was sure i could just fly out every other weekend but it turned out there was no direct flight and in order to fly was going to take a seven hour ordeal and for nine hours i could actually have my own car and not have to worry about the airport so uh you think you'd done a little bit of research if you're going to send your kids. But of course, uh, who I was, you know, just a different person. I I functioned with the light that I had at the time. And uh, it's been an amazing journey. So for five years, I drove 18 hours round trip every other weekend. They recently moved a lot closer. So it's only 12 hours of uh, round trip. But during the summers, we all live together in our home, which is a, a, a happy tornado of a time for us. So we're right in the middle of, this. I'm, I'm loving
0: it. Yeah, wow, wow, that's that's amazing. Um, that's some commitment there, Kevin. I actually, I have done a similar 12 um, hour driving stint for, for weekends on end, but totally for a different reason. Um, back in my water skiing days, um, I had a friend living six hours away and would drive every weekend for for about six months I did that. So I can't imagine doing that for years on end. That's a that's a massive commitment. Um well commitment. it was
1: it was kinda like I I realized really quickly that either I was gonna hurt or they were not gonna have a dad. Like yeah. like I chose this. Like the the, the the horrible thing for them is they really made none of the choices. Literally zero of the choices that led to the divorce or to their mother moving. Uh, no, they they didn't make any of those choices. They just they just were along for the ride, which I think is the the hard part about divorce for kids is there's there's so little choice. You know, for me, I made all the all the mistakes. I made all of the choices. I made all of the the, the decisions. Uh, so I just really quickly realized like either I was going to own up to these decisions or they were, and they were going to own up to it in the fact that they had no father, uh, or at least that they had a father who chose not to show up, which I think is even worse
0: uh and it's interesting so- it's interesting your um commitment in that situation because a lot of dads would have just left that alone, and like it says something about you even like right from the beginning, it says a lot about who you are as a man you know and who you are as a father um, because a lot of parents would would want to do that and would would think to do that to think to stay in communication, but to do that. Week on, week in week out, you know the drive, the the staying in communication. That's a totally, you know, totally different thing. So I commend you on that one. That's a that's a massive effort, really, because you know you hear of you hear of dads just drifting away, um, and well, they I just, and they may know, they, they may they have do. good intention at the start, but that's a that's a big effort.
1: But I know why they do, and that's the crazy thing. Is the only way I could have done this. Is to be in that same place and just make a different choice, right? Like, so sure. I get it. I know why dads disappear because it fucking hurts. Like yeah. it hurts it, to, to, to drive, you know, many, many times in the beginning, the first year, especially our, our divorce decree was very poorly written. It basically just said, well, we'll agree to agree to when I can visit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and her thinking I'll never actually come because it's 18 hours round trip. Uh, me thinking I'll be there every other weekend. We'll just agree. So in the first year, I mean, six, seven, eight times, I drove all the way there knowing she wasn't going to give me the kids. Literally no. Like halfway there, she's telling me you're not getting the kids. I don't agree. And me making the decision. Well, you know what? I need them to know I showed up because it doesn't really matter. Like if she won't give them to me, that's on her. But if I don't even show up, that's on me and so that when i started to make those leaps though is when everything changed for me and my kids because i realized my relationship with my children is mine like no one can take that you know the only and the only way anyone else will, will suck into the role now what's what's really strange is not strange but but unique about me is on the other side of things isabella who's my wife's uh daughter from a previous marriage um, her father has very little contact. Uh, you know, he, he picks her up and then drops her off at her at her grandmother's. They have a very shallow relationship, so I've really sucked into a father role with her, and so I, I've seen why that happens, and it's because there's such a vacuum on the other side. Sure. I could never. I, the, obviously, no one can take away my relationship with my kids, but I, I'll tell you, it, 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 I'm sure there's guys listening to this, listening to this, who've let their kids go. I know why. I get it. I get it because it's an ugly demon to face over and over and over and over again. Uh, but at the end of the day, eight years into this, man, thank God I did because I just have an incredible family and an incredible relationship with my kids uh, because of that effort, because you add that effort up over time and they cannot. My kids know in a way most kids don't
0: that they matter to their dad. Mm, yeah, I yeah. I can totally see that. Totally see that.
1: I'm Kevin, closer to them. I'm closer to them now than when they lived two doors down. That that's the crazy thing, James is is <laughs> is the idea that when I lived in the same house with them, I took them so much for granted. Yep. That they were nearly completely fatherless because I didn't. Me and their mom were. Hor- I mean, we had a, a bad marriage. We were a bad fit, and my reaction to that was just go to work. Yeah. So there, I remember that two months before we got divorced, I spent 28 days out of 30 in a hotel, you know. Wow. And so I was like non-existent to my kids, and yeah, I was right. making money. But here's the thing: so all of a sudden, they move nine hours away, and they get a dad. Like how? That's crazy. <laughs> it's good. Like I'm happy. <clears throat> at least they end up with a dad at the end. But man, how much easier would it have been to just walk down the fucking hall, just walk down the hall, yeah, and take those five minutes every day. Because uh, that's what I miss now is just that being able to take those five, ten minutes every day because that's really how you build that relationship.
0: Yeah, true. Very true. So tell us a little bit about, um, like, what was your upbringing and, you know, how were your parents, you know, is there kind of overlap in the way that you were brought up um, to what kind of happened with you, your first wife and that sort of thing?
1: Sure. So um, my I had an interesting upbringing. My parents, both of their parents divorced. Um so they got together decided they would never divorce. Um married very very young. My my mother was 17. Yep. Uh, my dad was let's see 4 years So My my dad was 21, my mom was 17. Um accidentally got pregnant for me. Yep. Uh so my mom graduated high school, had me, got married all in the same year. Right? So all in the wow. same 6 period. Um then she went on to have five kids. I'm the oldest of five kids. Um, my dad was a businessman. He he dealt with conflict in the home by going to work. Um, my mother was very abusive. Uh, grew up with an abusive mother, emotionally abusive, um, and just <laughs> I, you know, it's funny. I, I didn't, I wouldn't have thought I would have talked about this, but I,
0: my mother.
1: Her mother abandoned her. She, she, when she was four years old, her mom disappeared. They thought she might have drowned in the swamp. Uh, they thought that maybe at the time they had outhouses, right? Like they they didn't have in central plumbing, so they thought maybe she went out to the outhouse and either got lost in the swamp or maybe a, an <coughs> alligator uh, took her. Wow! So they, they drugged the swamp, and then it turned out she had just run away. Like she didn't know how to deal with the bad marriage herself, and had just abandoned her um that left my mom in a crazy place uh and she was eventually at 5 years old raped by one of her uncles um well at this uncle was about 14 at the time when i turned when i hit puberty i looked exactly like this uncle i mean to the point that i've seen pictures of him next to pictures of me and it it it's like i'm seeing myself like it, it's it, it's crazy
0: wow um
1: so it triggered this for me my, like my mother didn't hug me from 12 years old to 19 uh and that was normal to me it was a it was a very abusive situation on the other side though my dad saw all of this happening in, in an imperfect way he didn't know how to stop it and he he became this kind of buffering compensating figure in my life he invested a tremendous amount of me uh i think i think looking back he saw what was happening and just couldn't decode it all couldn't figure out you know it made no sense the way my mom was treating me, but she also, he loved her sure. and he didn't know how to make sense of it. So he would bring me to work a lot. He he was always the balancing factor in my life. So I, I had a, a fantastic example of what it was to be a dad, except for the fact that he allowed a lot of abuse to happen when he wasn't around. Uh sure. But I can't, you know, at this point he passed away about three years ago, kind of made peace uh, with that. But, I, <laughs> you know, I, I grew up with parents who would not divorce, yeah. would not.
0: Yeah. It,
1: it didn't matter. Some of the stuff that happened, you know, most couples would have broken and they just, both of their parents had divorced. They said, we'll never do it. Uh, and I saw a lot of damage because they wouldn't, truthfully, um, yeah. because they they didn't have that option. So I've, I've, I've come a long way in seeing that for certain couples, divorce is, is a great thing. Even for the kids, it can be great in certain situations. There are other situations that can be terrible. It, there's always pain. There's always damage. But Honestly, that's true in just about anyone's life—not just a divorce blog.
0: Yeah, true, true, and it's interesting. You're exactly right there. I mean, for pe- for certain people, divorce is the best thing, and we know of that through the group that we're involved in with, you know, Warrior and you know some of the guys there. They they survive that time and they rebuild marriages, and others simply have to part ways. And I, I think that's a it's a good way to look at it. As long as you're committed to it for the right reasons Um, so yeah you're exactly right there
1: and and, you know it's funny because I have a history degree so my I I never have actually worked in the history factory but I I do have a history degree and one of the things I studied was the history of the family and you know one of the things you'll hear tossed around all the time is how much higher the divorce rate is now uh, than it used to be but the truth is if you in the middle ages if you got to be 60 years old You had on average four marriages, but they weren't divorces because everybody died. Like every ten years, one of the spouses would die. Right. So you didn't there wasn't really a systematic there wasn't really a need for divorce because the truth, the harsh, painful truth of the times were, hey, within ten years somebody's dying anyway. You know, a lot of marriages didn't last five years because first pregnancy you would lose the child and the mother. Right. And then and then we marry again and then we marry again. So the, the truth is most adults were going through many, many relationships. So, yeah, of course you had a lot lower divorce rate because people died. You didn't the, the, There was a kind of built-in into a lot of relationships that happened much quicker than we have today. And I think today, thank God for modern medicine, we have the option of, of, of saying, is it really worth this 30 more years of suffering? You know,
0: it's, it's, it's interesting because you don't really hear about that, but you know, if you think back years ago, you know, no one was. Well, you were lucky to live to sixty, you know. So exactly. <laughs> we, we are we're living in good times and and bad at the same. So uh, moving forward, like tell me about you know your, your current wife and meeting her and you know how how that all <laughs> came about and let's. So you know, it, this is uh, this is. It,
1: my wife now is literally the first hand I ever held in my in my life was my wife Whitney's hand when I when I was 12 years old, uh, someone asked me if I wanted to go on a church trip, and uh, at 12 years old this did not seem like a cool thing to me, uh, but I had the the foresight to say well who's going right and uh, they said well look there's nine spots and eight of the spots are taken and they ticked off the list of who was going and it was all girls.
0: <laughs> uh, and i was
1: yeah i yeah i'd love to get this is the last spot yeah so 8 to 1 that's pretty good odds i'll be gone for a week with eight girls this is yes a church trip, trip
0: doesn't <laughs> doesn't doesn't sound like a trip anymore sounds like an opportunity
1: oh man and it, it, it i at the time i hated country music right so I, we end up in the back of the van and there's Whitney I'm smitten instantly and uh, she loves country music so within 5 minutes i'm singing country songs for the next week <laughs> <laughs>
0: <sighs> as, as little boys do
1: yeah that's exactly right so anyway we we it didn't last that here's a here's a blast from the 80s uh she moved and when she moved i didn't have her new phone number and there was no other way to find her uh so we we had talked on the phone for a few months and then that was it and then 25 years later uh we we came back into contact i ran i was an elected official here uh locally and so literally my face was up on billboards and uh she saw that and added me to Facebook uh and then we began talking. But the problem is uh James and, and full disclosure is I was still married to Emily when we started talking. Both of us found ourselves in these these really dead marriages. It, my marriage died about eight years before we actually divorced and she was in a similar situation not quite so long. Uh but but lacking integrity in who I was at that time. Uh, I just made some really stupid choices, <laughs> right. so we ended up cheating we ended up cheating on our spouses together and then then coming clean with that um, at which ended our previous families and then we we continued in our relationship and a couple of years later we were married together um, had had i if all of the same situation presented itself today like i 've often thought like what would I do different i wouldn 't have chosen such a coward 's path to go and Hide and do what I needed to do. I would have really walked out of the thing. I would have been able to look at my child, my children's mother, and say, "We both know this is dead. I'm gone." Yeah. But I, I literally did not have the strength or the sight to do that. I didn't have the integrity. I didn't. I didn't have the integrity inside myself to do it. Um, so it's become a very beautiful situation. So we have a very loving, caring family where everyone is integrated, but we have a lot of baggage. A lot. Of, I call it coward's baggage. Uh, cause I chose a coward's path. So even though today I'm a man who lives in integrity and is able to be completely honest, uh, I got a lot of baggage from when I was a coward and, and that baggage will last, you know, my, uh, youngest daughter in the divorce is 10. So at least eight more years, I'll carry some of that baggage from all the travel and things. Uh, but I'm, but I'm happy to do it because it's, I've been able on the other side of that. I walked out of my divorce. I, I, I w- I walked into my divorce and was very honest about what happened. Uh, yeah. There was no contention. Look, I cheated on her. I cheated with with uh, with my wife today, Whitney. Yes, we cheated together. But this had been a state in my marriage for ten years. This wasn't. Let's let's be honest. It wasn't like it was the first time. Oh. Uh, this had just come. Two people who live together. I'm on the road and I cheat, and you do whatever it is you do at church. Yep. Um, I'm proud of that. I'm, I'm at all. But I, it is what it is. I have to own that. That's who I was at that at, at that point in time. Yep. And I remember because of all the hiding, I had become a really fragmented person. And when we got to court, and the judge started asking me really pointed questions, something just clicked in me. And I was like, you know what? I'm not lying anymore. Like I don't. I'm tired of being Kevin to my kids. Kevin to my wife kevin to my mistress kevin to my church kevin at work kevin on the road you know there's like 13 or 14 of me yeah all different stories all telling everybody what they want to hear and i was like you know what forget this i'm telling the truth so i told the whole truth through the through the thing which you know obviously at that point in time didn't get me any points from anybody sure but i suddenly felt the self-worth i'd never had before and i walked out of that i walked out of that thing that uh That courtroom into a coffee shop. And Whitney was there. She had to be there as a witness. We were, we actually were witnesses to admit to our adultery together uh, because we had decided just to walk through this, you know, openly once it was out. Yep. Um, She was there as a witness uh, and the judge. So we walked into a coffee shop and I remember telling her, I said, you know what, right now, from there's only one Kevin from now on. There's just one me. And I think a lot of people aren't going to like who I really am, but I don't care anymore. Right. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: It just and it and it was a big turning point in my life. It's it's really what's led me to the happiness and success that I've had. But initially it was very tough on my kids, very tough on my family, because uh, I had to just tell the truth and I've been telling lies for so long that
0: the well, truth hurts. Yeah, I was gonna ask like has that how do you think that's affected your kids? Like, I see that, you know, looking from the outside, and it's easy to look from the outside. I'm sure it's not easy to experience that and go through it, but how, how do you think that affected your kids, and what was the feedback and kind of the the reverb from, from all of that?
1: It it really, initially, it was super hard. Uh, so because uh, cause I was pretending, right? I was pretending to be the church guy. I was pretending to be, and so they... Believe me, because what else would you do? I mean, this is who your dad is. This is what you see with your eyes. And so then when I start telling the truth and say, hey, look, this is who I really am, um, it, it it rocks their world as well. It should. Right. I mean, as sure. well, it should sure. because, because I've shown an example and now I'm saying, hey, I was lying. Um, so initially it was very, very tough. I'll say it was very tough to keep telling them the truth um, because the, the temptation is always just tell them what they want to hear. Dad, why don't you go to church? Uh, you know, why don't just come to church with us? Like, I'll go there for the weekend. Well, just come to church with us. And, you know, and, and it, it would have been so easy just to do that, but it just really wasn't who I was. So I had to just keep fighting and say, no, look, you know, that, that's not who I am anymore. Sure. And, and I don't have a problem with church. I, I left the Mormon church. I, I served the Mormon mission in France. That's why I speak French. Um, I'd left the Mormon church, not really. I have no problem with the Mormon church. I just had come to a place where it, it stopped serving me and I was ready to kind of go up and beyond and, and develop a more personal relationship without other people telling me how to, how to deal with God. And that was tough because I'm here, I am leaving the religion I raised my children in and they're like, hey, this is bad. You taught us that. Yep. And me in a situation, of ha- to be an in integrity, you have to contradict them and say, well, I don't think so anymore. But I'm okay that you think that. I'm okay for you to have your beliefs. Uh, and and I think it's been a slow process for me to realize that like there's my ex-wife's story, there's my story, and then the kids have to have their own story. And yeah. I think at first at first there was a lot of pulling between is dad right or is mom right, you know. And 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 believe me I had no high ground to stand on because I was admitting that I had made, you know, huge mistakes including adultery. So it's initially i just took a lot of damage 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 but what started to happen is because i had integrity because i kept telling the truth the relationship started to grow and if today i have a much more trusting relationship with the kids than their mom or than anybody else in their life because i've just consistently told them the truth and i've told them the truth when it really wasn't to my advantage and they see that now now that they're older yeah you know when when they were 11 they didn't understand that but now you know my oldest is 17 and she she gets it now. She sees. She's got new eyes. You know. I, I think. Yeah.
0: Kids, it's... go ahead. Yeah. I was just going to say. I think it's a, it's a massive point because the uh, like, and I know that there's people out there that are you know living like yourself and telling the truth, but I think the lying in today's world is at a all time high, and everyone is posturing and trying to look good and hiding the truth and you know it's it's a massive problem as you know as we know but I think a lot of that goes hidden and a lot of that goes hidden because people aren't willing to expose themselves and you know just go through the motions of like you say continuing to show up daily and telling the truth it's not as easy as it sounds as though but Everyone likes to think they're telling the truth, but there's little white lies, there's there's all sorts of things going on, and it it lays down a found a, a pretty flimsy foundation. And like you say now, you know, after years of telling the truth, your kids have now have a, a solid foundation to walk on as well, and that'll follow through into their lives. I think it's you know it's admirable, but because there's, there's simply not enough people doing it.
1: Uh, Well, it's, it's the social media effect, right? Like it's, we filter everything, right? just, there's a filter on everything and that it starts with pictures. It starts with what we present. You know, if you look at social media, you know, people are typically having the best day of their life or the worst, and there's not much in between, you know, it's, it's, you get these mostly highlights and then a few, a few negative things. Uh, You know, you kind of have your friends, you know, the friends are going to be negative all the time and the ones that are going to be highlight reels all the time. Uh, but the truth is, most of our life is kind of in between those things. And I've learned with my kids, it just doesn't serve me. How hard is it to tell your son, you're not going to be at his first soccer game? Dad, my first game is this weekend. Can you make it? And the answer is no. He's nine hours away. I've got a business meeting to get to in Boston or wherever. I'm not going to make it. Yep. But man, the temptation in that moment, the temptation is so strong to say, I'll try or let's see, or, maybe. you know, hey, or, maybe. Yes, yes. Yeah. And, and that maybe, what I don't think most dads see, because it seems, hey, well, I said maybe, I, that, that means also it could have been no, is that maybe creates this hope inside of your kid that will get ripped out like an eight-pronged fish hook yeah. when you don't know, show up. Because, it, it, boy, it gives them hope because all they want to see is you there. yeah, All they want to see is you there. And... And I learned early on to just say, "Mike, no." I really, and I, I'll say, I really want to tell you yes, but the truth is, I'm not going to make it. But I'll be there the next weekend for your next game, right? You know. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's it does that hurt them? Yeah, and it, it, it gives them a little bruise, but it's a lot better than that. They find out by you not showing up. Uh, pain, you know, and I, and I think. Another thing, and I read this, uh, there's a great book, The Unexpected Legacy of Divorce. It's like a, I think at a point it was 25 years, I'm sure it's on 35 or, or 30 or 35 year study where they, they studied families um, of families that, that were near divorce and, you know, half the families got divorced, half the families didn't, <coughs> and they follow the kids for 25, 30 years and look at, you know, what are the divorce. If, if you get the chance, Unexpected Legacy of Divorce, fantastic book. Oh, okay. Um, it, it one of the things I learned in that book that I'm so glad I read it right when I got divorced. And at this point, anyone I know is getting divorced. I usually send them a copy because uh, it's very much written from the children's perspective is as an adult, we experience a divorce one time. I know what happened. You know, my, my ex-wife knows what happened. Um, and that's that's pretty much stayed the same. Like, I, I know I'll hit different levels of awareness and I see different truths about myself and my part in making things go bad now. But fundamentally, the my perception of reality about our divorce has been the same since it happened. You know, I mean we were I was thirty-three or thirty-two when it happened. You know, I'm forty-two today. Fundamentally, pretty much the same thing. For my kids, every level of development that they go through, they re experience the divorce. You sure. know, so my, my my youngest was was man, she was tens, she was four three or four uh, when we divorced. Now she's 10 and she's an incredibly smart 10 because of course none of the other kids cut her any slack just because she's young. I've seen her experience the divorce eight, nine times because as her mind opens and she gets older and she understands more about life, then she goes and relives it. Oh wait, this is what happened. Oh wait, this is what happened. And at first it's like we gotta learn to share. Okay, mom and dad didn't share. And then it's, we got to be loyal to our friends. Wait a second. Dad wasn't loyal to his friends. And as she grows, so I've become very comfortable with having the conversation with them over and over two, three times a year. Hey, you want to talk about this? Let's talk about anything you want to know. I'm going to be open with you. There's no, you're not going to be in any trouble. Is there anything you don't understand now? Uh, And, you know, I'm seeing my 17 year old now start to set her adult concept of what happened. And I don't have that conversation near as much with her as i do with my 10 year old but giving my child the space she's going to experience that divorce on every level of growth until she's an adult yep. and then it'll stop yep. and i've got to be willing to go experience it with her because really as an adult and it happened 10 years ago i'm tired of this yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm really tired of having to admit to doing the worst possible thing over and over and over and over sure
0: um, sure but, it's, but it serves my daughter. Yeah. And so I've got, I got to, I got to go there. Yeah. So, um, and just you know, on that, you've obviously got a big family. There's lots of dynamics in between all the the connections there. And you know, what are your thoughts on being a dad, being a stepdad? You know, what you know, you've you've kind of you know, you've got the whole mix in there, and you've got all the background stories. And but what's it like for Kevin being a dad to you know? stepkids and your own kids and what are your thoughts on just being a dad so I think
1: two things two main points come up and and number one divorce doesn't although it breaks families it actually grows families and number two uh is is yeah, I, let me expand on, on number one first. Because sure. like I'm, I'm stuck thinking there. The myth is that divorce breaks up families and then creates these little tiny units that drift. And I, I know that it can do that, right? Yeah. So I know that it can happen where uh, there's a family that breaks up and the mother or father, and I've seen it on both sides, uh, just disappears. So, okay, there's a fragmented family. The truth, though, my truth that I've seen is that we fragmented and then we blended so actually there is a tremendous amount of family my my kids have five different christmases they have to try to get to right because there's (laughs) grandparents on both sides that have been divorced so that i mean there are so many grandparents that want a piece of these kids it's like it's like they win the lottery every year right yeah um it it, i am married uh, this is crazy but i am married to my wife's ex-husband in very many ways, mm-hmm. in very many ways, my, my wife is married to my ex-wife. Why? Because every major event, even the little events that happen in my kids' life, I'm going to be there.
0: Yeah.
1: And guess guess who else is going to be there? Their mom, and it, as well she should. Yeah. And guess who else is going to be there? My wife and her husband. And so we are a family. Now we we may not have chosen, you know, the the step parents, but to my kids that's their family. My son, I remember when he was like 10, he used to say it's kind of like I have a backup mom and a backup dad. It's, it was kind of like I have this backstop. And I was like, man, at first that triggered me. I was like, hey, wait a second. But it yeah, it's true. He, I mean,
0: he, it's and it's interesting. in a recent interview I was just saying, you know, my young I've got you know, youngest guy Che, and then um he's 8 and next guy's Indy. Um you know, they wish that we could all live together it's like i've just got this huge family and they're so excited about it and they actually love it the kids are more flexible than the oldies and like they're wishing we could get a big mansion and all just live together that I, and i
1: personally i would love that i don't think my ex and her husband would like <laughs> but personally i get it like in fact the, the house next door to my ex wife is is for sale right now And I always would joke with the kids, like, hey, if the house next door ever comes for sale, you need to talk to dad. Maybe I'm going to move in. And uh, man, how cool would that be that they could that they could as children of divorce still have access to either parent when they need us?
0: It's it's yeah, it's an interesting thought. I mean, like when Indy says it and he's a he's a real feeler, you know, he's one of these kids. He's very loving and very feeling, touchy feely. And. Like, when he says that, it's like, wow, imagine, like, what would that create? Because he's, he's fully invested in that. He's like, this is just, this is the way it should be. He doesn't even see any different. Um, you know, I, they came into my life when they were quite young. So they, they don't have the, I don't think, so much of the trauma of, you know, arguments and yeah. court cases and all that sort of stuff. So they see it as a great thing. They're like, yeah, like you say, Christmas time is a bonus. Yeah, it it
1: there are a lot. We've explored so many times the negatives of divorce and there are a lot. There is n- divorce will rock your kids. Period. There will be pain and there will be damage and as a father you can decide am I going to pile a bunch of tools and skills and love on the side of this pain and damage or am I just going to walk away and let them deal with it themselves? That that's your only choice. There's no choice. That there will be pain, but guess what let me tell you a story from so I, I told you my my ex-wife moves nine hours away this oh. was this was tough. I was not prepared like the man I am today I don't even hesitate to drive the eighteen hours round trip right? like I wouldn't even think about it, yeah, of course it's happening, but the man I was then was really fucking annoyed about this, like man, how can I do this right Like I don't know if I can do this and i I remember sitting in my father's office so we at the time we worked together, we owned a seafood company together. And I'm sitting in his office and I'm crying and I'm saying, you know, I'm trying to help them understand that I'm not the devil and I'm trying to help raise them, but I'm just so far away and I don't know that anything I say matters. And in the middle of me crying and pouring out my heart to my father that my kids are so far away that I'm not sure that I I have the right influence, he just starts laughing and and i'm like what you know my dad is a real feeling loving guy and he's just laughing at me and and i'm like dad what is going on he says well it's funny because you lived with me every day of your life were your mother not in divorce he said and i felt that way every day of your life he's like what you're describing is not what it's like to be a divorced dad it's just what it's like to be a dad you you do everything you can you try not to hurt them, but you do. And you just hope at the end of the day that it's enough. He's like, so what you're feeling is proof to me that you're a father, not that you're in some dire situation. It's like really all you can do as a parent is show up, care, and try. That's yeah. it. That's all. And lots of times you're not going to be enough. Lots of times we're not going to be enough. Other times we're going to be more than enough. But we just have to make sure, are we showing up? Are, are we caring enough to listen, caring enough to accept them on their own terms? And are we doing everything we know how? Cause literally that's all we can do. If we live up to that standard, then we're great fathers. Yeah. You know, and if, if we don't, then you have to question whether you're a father at all. But, but the truth is, you know, divorce doesn't magically remove the problems of parenthood, which is how do you influence these kids of their own free will to do the right thing? I don't know. You know, we're all figuring it out. They're they're all individuals. If God himself hasn't figured it out, I don't expect that I'll be 100% effective at it.
0: (laughs) Give yourself some credit there, Kevin. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's a tough one. I mean, it's, you know, and this is a common thread that comes up um, a lot in in these discussions that, you know, where we need to actually, you know, obviously just try and do the best we can, but we actually need to be unattached to how things are going to turn out.
1: Well, you can't, you, you, if we get too attached to how things are going to turn out, what happens is the same thing that happens to to parents who don't divorce, is we start playing this game where we are controlling the lives of our children. Yeah. And that is just a dangerous, ugly, you know, as someone who grew up abused by an, an emotionally abusive controlling person, it just does, it is, it doesn't work. It it, it can't work when we start when we start to allow them to have their own opinions and to raise them. And hey, look, I get it. Like my my two year old reminds me that there are times when I have to physically grab him or he would run out in front of a truck and get run over. Hmm. So It's it's okay for me to control him at that moment. It's a lot better than him getting run over. Right. I get it. But in a lot of instances with divorce, it's more of an emotional thing. It's more of mom says you're bad, you say you're good, I'm confused. The, the most powerful words I learned to say to my children in this, the whole divorce thing, are I don't know. Mm. I don't know. I I am 40 years old and I don't know the answer to that. And I get it that you're eight and you want me to explain it, but I don't know how. Because it's it's I don't know. It's hard. And and I I didn't say that for a long time. The first four or five years of my divorce, I always had an answer. I always had an answer. And I remember we had this conflict one time about you know I I was in Texas with the kids. Their mom wanted them back, and so it, it turned into this big you know as these things can do this big legal drama, and she's threatening to have the cops called, and the kids are afraid. And I'm like, guys, the it's not like I'm stealing you. You know, your mom just wants you back an hour earlier. She's just trying to, 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 you know, she's just being dramatic, but you know, a kid hears mom say, I'm going to send the cops over. That's pretty dramatic stuff.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: I remember reaching out to some of my friends. In fact, some of my brothers in warrior and reaching out on a, on a, a Vox, which is like a phone call saying, I don't know what to do. I made a video crying and just saying, I don't know what to do because I, I, I feel like I'm right. I see her point. I don't know what the right thing is, but all I can tell is that the, the conflict is killing my kids, but if I back off, I lose parental rights. but if, but, if I, but if I keep pushing forward, it's gonna hurt them.
0: <laughs> yeah
1: And, and I, I, I came back to so I'd gone on a jog. my, my wife uh, now was with the kids. I'd gone on a jog and made this video and I came back to talk to the kids about what we were going to do with the situation. And I remember just playing them the video because I didn't know what else to do. The video of me crying, saying, I don't get it. I don't know what to do. Uh, and then they were all crying. And I said, you know what guys, I'm glad that your mom and I are fighting like this. And they were very puzzled. And I said, you know, because the truth is there's thousands of homes all across the world where nobody fights about custody because one of the one parent or the other or both don't care. So so this is evidence that we both really love you and both really want want to have you around. But the truth is, I don't know how to, I don't know how to solve it. So what do you guys think? And then they got involved in the, in the, in the process. And it really, their thing was, we don't know either, but it would be a lot more comfortable if we could just go with mom when she wants, but you need to know that we love you, dad. Okay, man, I just heard, I just heard my kids look me in the eye crying saying, we love you. We just want to do this to keep peace. Yeah. that was easy. Yeah. It's easy, but that doesn't come unless I'm willing to tell my kids I I don't know. I don't have all the answers. I wish I did.
0: <clears throat> it's interesting cuz um like you say, like a lot of people and this comes back to the truth element that a lot of people simply can't have these conversations and the fact that you can like, you know, make a video for your for your buddies and kind of go, you know what? The kids actually need to see me being real. And, you know, if there was more of that, I think there would be less fighting overall and less probably less divorces but it's i mean as we know it's probably not going to change overnight but it's it's funny how such a little thing, which is actually a huge thing um could shift a a lot of this kind of the negative the fighting the the upset the you know the separation all of that um in one foul swoop you know it's, well
1: i I think that it's it's So often as men, we show the anger that comes on the backside of the exposure, of the vulnerability of this woman has figured out a way to take my kids from me. And I'm going to come back to that because there's so many wrong things in what I just said, but that's the feeling we have, right? Mm. Is, hey, this woman's going to take them. What is that feeling? That feeling is sick. That feeling is guilt and shame and knowing that I've, fucking signed that paper to let her have that power. I did that. I created this moment right now, seven years after my divorce, where someone is threatening to have the cops come and take my kids, you know, because she reads a piece of paper different than me. Yeah. I made an appointment to be there. I created this moment and all that guilt and all that pain and all that shame hits me. And what's the next emotion I go to? Either I give up Right. Which is these guys who fade away. And I, again, I, I, I would never make that choice, but I will never stand in judgment of those guys because I know the pain, but, or I get angry. And, and what do the kids usually see? They don't see that moment of shame and pain and hurt and guilt and confusion. They just see the angry.
0: Um. And
1: so that sends this message of mom wants us and dad's really angry about it. And so, as I started to try to try, and I wish I was perfect at this, right? Uh, I'm not, but to show them that moment before the angry, you know, there have been times, you know, (laughs) I remember, yeah, anyway, there have been times with my son where, where, you know, he's gotten angry for me. I show the, I show the, the, the vulnerability and then he's like, he wants to go fight his mom. Whoa, she just loves you. She's just like me making mistakes. I've made a ton of mistakes. She's making mistakes. Slow down. Uh, you know, other times she's wanted to punch me, but you know, what one of the problems is, uh, as dads is we have that feeling though of someone's taking our kids away. Um, and moms have it too. It's just in our society today, at least in America, usually moms, the kids laying with the mom, um, kind of by default. Um, but that's such a bad way to think about it. She's taking my kids. What are they? Property? Like they're they're like a bag? Then yeah. she gets to have them and you get to have them. Like it's such it seems little. It seems like, but man, just that little thing. She took my kids or she gets the kids or I have the kids. No, you, you gotta you gotta crush that out of your vocabulary and, and start saying, I get to be in their life and I get to have the kids here. Right? Like so so subtle she took the kids. You know, the truth is no one can take my relationship with my children. I'm going to either show up or not. Now, like I said, for a long time, I would show up all the way to Austin. So a nine hour drive one way and then, no, you're not having the kids. But my kids saw me at the door. I mean, there were several times I slept in my car. I didn't have the money. I didn't have the money to get a hotel in. And I'm sleeping. I'm sleeping in my car out front. Uh, and uh, the, my kids saw me at the door. they saw me sleeping in the car they you know eventually their grandmother brought them out one time, and she said, "You're making the effort you need to see these kids." Uh, it was a cool It was a beautiful moment for me, but again that's me pushing into their lives it's my privilege to be in their life.
0: Yep. Nobody
1: took them away they are
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they yeah, yeah.
1: they still live. No one stole them. Yeah, you, you, you know, you, you, if your kid is nine hours away from you, they're still your kid. You're still their dad. Nothing is, nothing has magically happened that you are no longer uh, that person in their life.
0: And tell me, Kevin, is your um, first wife? Is she remarried or have a partner? Or you know, how, does yeah, that, how does that geez. dynamic? How does that dynamic work for you and the kids? And you know that that can obviously be a, a bit of a spicy kind of. Topic at times, but how's it working with you? Yeah,
1: she's she's remarried, um, and she remarried someone who has kind of taken the stance that he's like a third party to this to my kids. That they have a dad, you know. what I mean, I'm a real big part of their lives, so there's no. And that's something I would say, like no one can push you out of their lives. So if you if you put the effort to be there, you'll be there. And and I feel for him because I'm sure I'm a I'm a feature in their house much more than he would be comfortable with. Uh, just for conversation, I, I'm very involved in their lives. Even though I'm far away, I'm, I'm on the phone. I'm I'm there every chance I get. I see him on Facetime. I mean, I'm I'm there as much as I can be. Yeah. Um. So it's, it's been a little bit of a struggle. He's he. I would love for us to be friends. I when we when they first got married, I, I remember emailing him and saying, "Hey, you're about to have a huge impact in my kids' lives, and I'd I'd really like to just." Sit like like break bread. Let's just have lunch. So I can know who you are because I can sure. I can help you a lot from this end and say he seems like a nice guy. But if I never meet you, it's very difficult to do that. I can't in integrity say anything about you if I don't know who you are. Now he's declined and it's been you know and, I, and look I get it. He's I'm the villain of the story of my ex wife's life. Some of it I deserve. A lot of it I think has just kind of got, gotten glommed on since. Uh, and he wants to protect his wife. I get sure. that. Yeah. I, I'm not gonna judge him, but it it's it's difficult. It could be our kids' lives could be so much better if we could just get along. And that's what I have I will say on the other side, uh, with Isabella's father, all the time we end up at school and it's it's dad's day at school and it's me and Izzy and, and uh and her and Randy, her dad. Right. And yep. it's we joke about the bad food and we both buy our library book or whatever it is that we're doing that day, and he doesn't like me. I mean, I cheated on i cheated on his wife. Like, I, I slept with his wife at the time.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean,
1: we're great friends. I don't think he goes back and says, what a great guy Kevin is. But we're both able to put that shit down for Isabella in that moment, and it makes a huge difference. Uh, Isabella has a lot more peace about where she belongs in the world because the two men in her life are able to just get along when she's around.
0: Yeah. Tell me, um, you... You mentioned a story about you know your stepdaughter calling you dad and you having to go to court. I don't know whether this is a good story or something or a bad story, but uh, maybe if you can dive into that just while we're in that in yeah, that space. Yeah, perfect. no, that's perfect. It it uh, so my stepdaughter
1: Isabella calls me dad, and there's a couple reasons for that. Number one, um, her father when 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 she was born didn't want to be called dad; he wanted to be called papa. So she mm-hmm. calls him papa. That. I, had nothing to do with that. I was not around when she was born. And so that's just, she always called him Papa. She never called him Daddy. That's not what they wanted in their family. Right. Um, so you have that situation. And then she comes into my house where there's now, you know, before Liam was born, four kids. And in our family, three out of the four kids are calling me Dad. You can imagine how left out she would feel if she had to call me Kevin or, yeah.
0: you know. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> So just naturally she starts to call me dad because she doesn't call her Papa that he doesn't want to be called that. So that it's like a leftover name, right? Like I'm sure it would have had some other name. Uh, had, had she called him dad her whole life? I think it would be really weird for her to call me dad. I would, ha- I would be uncomfortable with that. Yeah. But based on the fact that she never did, it just got to be, And I, and I'm not going to tell her, Hey, you can't call me dad, but the other kids can. That's crazy, I don't want to create that division. Yep. Uh, so we did, we ended up, her ex uh, took us to court. Um, uh, that was among other things. You know how it is with court, Like you never go for one thing. Um, so th- one of the things that came up in court was that she called me dad, and uh, we were just really open and honest about it. We got four kids, three of, us, three of them call us, call him dad. We're not forcing her to call me anything, but she doesn't call her papa. Once the judge heard that, uh, once the judge understood that he didn't want her to call him dad, then it was just kind of elementary. She's got a papa. She's got a dad. That's what it is. Yeah. yeah now, the yeah. truth is, I've sucked into her life as a dad because there's a huge vacuum there. Yeah. Uh, and I feel sorry. I feel so sorry for Andy. I, I do because he's missed an incredible childhood. He, he he didn't invest and he hasn't done what he could have, uh, and he's really missed her childhood. She's twelve years old now, and she's one of these kids who's like twelve going on twenty three. Uh, and, you know, she's, she's a teenager now and that's just a different time. Uh, it's less sweet for a parent. I mean, it's great for them cause they'll transition into adulthood, but, but he really missed out on that. And, and I'm hoping at some point he'll figure it out. Cause you know, here's, here's something that happened just a couple weeks ago. This is like, I think three weeks ago, uh, Isabella came home from being with her papa and I ended up with her phone in my hand for some reason. And as soon as it was in my hand, uh, she grabbed it really fast, like irrationally fast. Yeah. And, then she, and then she gave it back to me like it was nothing. And you know how you are, at least for me, I'm like a feeling. I'm like, what just happened? Yeah, yeah. Oh, n- nothing, nothing, right? So I'm looking through the phone. At this point now, I'm interested. I don't even know why I had her phone in my So I'm looking through her phone and I see that my name is listed as Kevin and not as dad, which is always what it's been in there.
0: Mm-hmm. And I was
1: like, hey, how come I'm Kevin? And then she just starts crying. It's like, oh, shit, okay. Well, <laughs> so I found out that for years, like for the whole time she's had this phone, anytime she's going back to her papa's house, she changes my name to Kevin. Oh, wow. Yeah. And changes his and changes his name to dad. And then when she comes home, on the way home, she changes me because it hurts his feelings. Yeah, wow. She gets, because it, you know, and so she's crying. I'm like, whoa, babe, look. I don't really care. Like, so I changed. I, I took her phone and I changed my name to Fred. I was like, just put me in this I don't care. It doesn't matter. <laughs> if, you can call, if you need to call me Kevin all the time, I don't care. I just need you to know that you can call. Like, you have equal status to everyone else in this family.
0: Yeah. You know, with
1: me, you're not. You're not less, more, different. You know, you're. You are my daughter, just like everyone else. And and as long as you know that, I don't care what you call me. It doesn't yeah. matter.
0: Yeah. How are the other like? How are the siblings? You know how do they all mix together, and you know you've obviously got a you know mixture and like are they and kids are like this is what I've learned you know with you know me and my partner, we've been together seven years, and the the boys just it it doesn't seem to phase them, they're just like very flexible, very forgiving, very you know. Sure, they like I said, they love us all to live together and be one big happy family. How are your kids in that situation? Because there's a bit of a mix and it's a little bit different. They are
1: some of the most tightly wound siblings I've ever known. And I think part of it is because they come together every other week. So when I drive to Texas, once a month I bring Isabella and Whitney, and then once a month I just go by myself. Um, but they're always looking forward to seeing one another, Izzy and Elle, Uh, are the closest in age they text one another all the time it's it's a very tight-knit family in a way that i didn't think possible when this all first started when it first started uh you know whitney was the devil and this is crazy and you guys aren't really going to get married and if you loved each other you'd be married and you know this is again me telling my truth we do love one another we probably will be married but not until it's the right time which is a very uncomfortable thing to say to a 12 year old who thinks if you're not married yeah. you're going to but so because we've stayed consistent it's created an environment for them to be equals and they are uh, and I think I've set the tone on this and this is one thing that's really big to me um, and you know I, I probably a lot of people would disagree with this but I, I really believe that men are better equipped for step parenthood out of the box and that doesn't mean that there aren't terrible male step parents sure there are but out of the box the process for me to bond to isabella and be a parent to her um who wasn't born to me i met her when she was four years old was really not that different than the other four kids who were born to me and i was there at their birth because the truth is that they didn't grow up inside of me i didn't have this magical bond that i've seen my ex-wife and wife had with our kids that I've often been jealous of. Like I, I, I don't know how to talk to a, a two-month-old baby, but it's obvious when you watch a mother with a two-month-old baby. There's a whole language going on that that we don't participate in. Yeah. Not the same. Yeah. And so I think that's a huge advantage when it comes to being a step parent. Is it's easier for us to surrogate because biologically it's the same process. We're attaching to something outside of ourselves and deciding making a choice to integrate where for my wife um, and, and she's very integrated with the kids at this point, but it was, it was a much harder process for her um, in the step parenting, because again, these three kids never were inside of her. She didn't have that bonding experience and she missed it. And she didn't, you know, I think with her own children, it was easy when things got negative to fall back on, Hey, they're always going to be mine. Where yeah. with the step or the step kid? That isn't necessarily true. And I think, I think as a man, I kind of never have felt that way about my kids. I felt like I always had to fight that. I've always got to do something to be there.
0: Well, It's interesting, you know, that, that concept, you know, for me, I've loved kids all my life. I've always been involved with my friends, kids, and always, you know, just that, you know, I grew up in a rough household, so maybe it's just the nurturing side of me, you know, coming out or whatever that might be. Um, But. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned that, you know, I you know, I know when I met Leonie, we were instantly, you know, not maybe not so much connected with the kids, but I instantly felt that, you know, these are they're blood almost. You know, blood or like I kind of say, well, blood or no blood, I'm gonna love them as my own. Um and, you know, it's interesting you say you bring that up. It's it's a. you're right in that women are Probably more biologically connected than than actually we are as men.
1: Yeah, and I don't mean it as a knock on anybody. Uh, it just, in other words, the physical process of being in this kid's life and forming a bond is exactly the same stepchild child for me and for a woman who's not. You know, it's not. <laughs> it's a very different process that they go through biologically and for that nine month period. And I, and I think again when we talk about Fortress of Fathers and what it's all about. I think it's one of the, pro- one of the reasons marriages have so much problem right after a, a child is born, um, is there's a lot of effort and rightly so. Thank God. I mean, thank God women have gotten empowered enough to really start to serve themselves. Women are living in power in a way they really never have. Uh, you know, I, re- I went and saw even the silly Hollywood movie, you know, Wonder Woman. And I'm, and I'm, I got a kind of a tear in my eye because I'm like, man, I live in a world where in a, in a block buster hollywood film a man tells a woman what to do and she says well you're not in charge of me and goes and does what she wants that's pretty cool like that wouldn't have happened 100 years ago right no, like, well was, probably was,
0: probably not even 50 ago
1: yeah or maybe even 20 it would not have been accepted the same way hmm. but it, it now it doesn't mean that they didn't have power but women are living in power and i think it's 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 scared men to the edges because a lot of this power has come about with some what i think is negative language of Hey, we don't need men. Hey, we're better. I get it. Like after shedding, you know, generations and generations of being down oppressed, yeah, you're going to have some attitude because that's how you got out of the oppression in the first place. But as men, I really wish we would have just stayed in our own power. Say, like, hey, yeah, of course you're powerful like me. Let's move forward. But what we've kind of done is shrunk out. And so there's all these programs for women, you know, just before a, a, a birth. You can go take Lamaze classes. You can take the what to expect when you're expecting class. You can take the, the, the tour of the hospital and here's how you get prepped. But everything is woman focused, which is great. And I, I'm so happy these things exist. But I would, I, what fortress of fathers is all about is creating something that's about the man and saying, Hey, dummy, we get it. There's nothing that weighs eight pounds growing inside of your stomach, but your life is changing every bit as much. And I think for some guys, it's a real shock. Uh, this baby comes out and bam, everything changes. If anybody who's been a parent, you know, just that three months after a baby is born is just, it's like riding a bull, except for
0: you're not on the bull. You're just tied to its leg. Like your ankle. It's, it's, it's interesting because, um, I'm not like, I don't have biological kids. I've only got, you know, the two, my two step boys and, um, you know, I don't have that experience, and I can imagine it. Like I hear a lot of parents talk about it. Like it's, uh, you know, and a lot of dads, especially, that are like, you know, that first little bit, that first three months, that first six months. It's like nothing else. You would have no idea. You always hear that. You have no idea what happens there. Um, so I think it's, I mean, my, my friends are like, well, how do I
1: get ready for the baby? I'm like, well, you know, you have a really nice sports car, go dump jelly on the front seat and leave it there for a week. (laughs) And and like, that's crazy. I'm like, I'm telling you that's when you have a kid, it's going to make sense because there's just so much weird stuff that's totally out of your control, but it's totally your responsibility to deal with it after the fact. And, and no one tells you about the weird negatives, you know? Yeah. Oh, he's throwing up every hour. I, I remember I used to laugh in the hospital. Everything was normal. You know, oh man, he's throwing up. Yeah, that's normal. He's running fever. <laughs> yeah, that's normal. Like why didn't no one tell me this shit was normal before? So I didn't have to get freaked out now. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, that's I, felt funny. Like, I felt like I could walk in and be like, "Hey, he's got blue spots and his hair is on fire." Yeah, that that's normal. That happens a lot. Don't don't. <laughs> and, and so you know, Fortress of Fathers is all about helping guys make that transition to understanding that like things are changing right like this this is a big deal and we need to support our women but we also need to maintain our own power inside of that and understand like choose what it is to be a dad and i think in that way mothers have an advantage they don't have a choice the baby's inside of them they can't run away
0: like that's different right like the
1: dad we can run away and we often we often do
0: well that's it uh, and, you know you, most dads they'll go and hide at work and you know and they're yeah. com- they're coming home to this screaming blob of jelly as you say and it's like well uh I have no idea what to do I'm out of here
1: Yeah I'm going to go make some more money cuz apparently yeah. that's where my value is See ya yeah. and uh and it's it's crazy and you know it's funny as with um with Liam so Liam's my youngest who I had with my I had a little bit of skin in the game, so for Liam, I, I had had a vasectomy in my first marriage, and then got a vasectomy reversal so we could have a kid together. Because so I just wanted to know what it would be like in a great, in a great situation, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. What could be like? In the, and and I'll tell you, it's a world of different. It, it is a world of different having a child. You know, so many people try to fix their marriages with children. You know, bad idea. Like the, the children will amplify happiness or they will amplify destructive behavior. Whatever your relationship is, it will be amplified with sure, the kids. Sure. With Liam, he's amplified a lot of happy. But what's interesting is there was a lot of uncomfortable times because I really got involved. I really wanted to help. Like, I want to change diapers. And for Whitney, you know, her family story is men are useless. Like, they don't know how to do any of this stuff, so the woman just takes over. Yep. And it was, like, hard for me. I found myself in these weird conversations, like, hey, I'm going to change his diaper. Like, it... Yeah. maybe i it wrong teach me how to do it right because this is my son as much as it's yours and I want to help and then you're thinking in the back of your head man I have a woman who doesn't want me to change a diaper why am I fighting this but the truth is I'm his dad like I need to do this I need to push in I need to find ways to make that happen and it helps that bond work and it just helps the whole thing
0: flow it's yeah it's interesting like there seems to be a and then just with the the dads that I'm talking to that there seems to be this kind of resurgence of dads actually wanting to be dads and be involved, and there, I'm, sure, you know, there's still that that element that are kind of like, okay, I'm off to work and I'll catch you at seven o'clock, have my dinner ready, but there is a, a big part of um, or a big kind of element in the community that are dads wanting to be fully involved and you know that sort of stuff. I, I know even with my boys, like you know. I was changing diapers and all that sort of stuff, and you know that was just normal to me. It was like, why wouldn't I be helping? You know, like I'm here too. You know, um, but it, I'm gonna do, I'm
1: gonna do the dishes even if I do them wrong. So maybe just teach me how to do them right. Because even though you're telling me don't do this, you're doing it wrong. I'm gonna wake up tomorrow and do the dishes anyway. I mean, I've had this fight. Like we're in a fight because I'm doing the dishes because <laughs> I apparently and I still do this. So Whitney, if you ever hear this, I'm sorry. <laughs> All right, I just when I get confused about where to put something, I just pick a spot because at least <laughs> it's picked up, right? Which is probably not the best thing to do, um, but but that is an important battle for me to fight. It's an important because the industrial revolution screwed us up on accident. It was nobody intentionally chose this, but when we lived on the farm, it was cool for mom to work the house and dad to work the field. Because guess where the kids were? In the house and in the field as yeah. soon as they could. You know, as soon as they could use a tool that mattered, they were also in the field. So even though we think of it as you know, dads and, – and also mom was out of the field too, let's be honest. Yeah. But, but, but kids moved with the work. So it, wasn't, it was not a more equal thing. But then an industrial revolution mm-hmm. happens and they're like, hey, dad, come to the factory. You make a lot more money. You guys will be easier, better mm-hmm. off. And that's true. Only problem is now dad's gone.
0: Yeah.
1: And by the time he gets home, he's totally flattened and uh and so there was this ugly trade that i think got made was the family better off physically monetarily yeah it was a good trade a lot less people starved a lot less people lived on the brink um emotionally for a father in your life was it a good trade no nah, it did it, 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 there was a lot of unintended consequences to that that i think now we just have to unravel
0: yeah and i think there's a lot of people that eat- don't know, like, don't understand that whole conversation mm-hmm. of, you know, where you're going with that. Um, and, you know, it's 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 bigger. It's a bigger problem than what is seen on the surface as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, you, you just have guys, like, I, 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 I look at guys who willfully walk away from their kids, you know, like they have a divorce or not even a divorce. I mean, they just get someone pregnant and then kind of run away for financial reasons like god have mercy i I mean i i think about like you know i i always think about my kids like one day i'm going to be having a conversation with my kid and they're going to be 30 and i'm going to be 60 and and i'm going to be 60 years old telling my 30 year old kid that i just couldn't afford to be their dad and i don't want to have that conversation like yeah that is so indefensible because let me tell you, have all five kids now, I can't afford, I couldn't tell you how I afford them right now. But you just, you, if you're a dad, you figure it out.
0: It's, and it's yeah, that's an interesting point because, you know, I always see, um, and, you know, I live fairly comfortably. I'm not super rich or anything. Uh, you know, like I'm just comfortable. And, um, you know, I always look at kids in the, well, I look, you know, you see people that are less fortunate or you see people in other countries that live with absolutely nothing. And then you, yeah, you hear dads and whatever, and they're like, oh, "I don't know how we're going to afford it." And it's like, "Well, you're just going to survive." It's like if if that's your major concern in life, it's you're living a pretty miserable life.
1: Oh, t- children have the literally the worst ROI of any investment. On the board. <laughs> if, if you don't count the, the intangible emotional love that comes, when you do count the intangible emotional love, they have the best ROI. Exactly. There's no there's yeah. no amount investment but if you, if you want to look at kids from a financial perspective you know god bless you it, it's not going to work out
0: well <laughs> yeah um look I, I know we've been going a little while now kevin so i will start to wrap this up mate but like i just wanted to say a big thanks just for sharing what you've shared today um and just jumping on with us it's you know i'm sure we'll get some great feedback from this this episode and like is there? I just wanted to ask, kind of one last thing. You know, do you have any parting words? Do you have any final tip for stepfathers out there? I know we've, our conversation has been really around parenting today, which is great, actually. Um, but you know, do you have any, you know, parting words, final tips, um, you know, magic insight for the stepdads and for the, and for the parents out there? I
1: mean, I think the number one thing is no one can take your relationship with your children or stepchildren from you. It's yours. You have a relationship that exists between you that you shape with them. And you're both participants and you both shape it, but no matter how ugly or mean or nasty someone else is or how misunderstood or or, or, or beleaguered people on the outside may, may make you feel, it doesn't really matter. At the end of the day, you're there and you have this this relationship. The question is not, you know, uh, can someone destroy that relationship? No, the question is, will you allow a relationship to, to, to be destroyed or not? And, and it's, it's really that simple. It's really just a decision. And I hope if, if anything can be heard and if anything can be learned from me is, is that being a good dad isn't enough. Because our definition of good dad, you know, I remember Mark Twain talking about the definition of gentleman, you know, at, at one point, a gentleman was someone, who lived by a certain code and then it was just someone who owned land and then it was just anybody. And, you know, it, it, it became to me nothing. And I, I see that with the, with the words good dad right now, like he's a good dad, which the standard in general is so low for being a good dad. It pretty much means you're alive and you had a kid and you might've seen him once.
0: Yes. And I think
1: we've got to transcend that and just be a dad who showed up, be a great dad. Be someone who had an impact in the lives of your children. And stepchildren are no different. Like, you belong. Like, I, does my, do my kids' stepdad, does he trigger the hell out of me? Sure. Does he have a place in their life? Absolutely. He's part of my family. He is part of my family. Being a great dad means I've got to accept the whole family that, that, that my kids live in, not just the family I want to pretend is the only one that exists.
0: Mm. I, I, I can't agree more, and I think that, that is just a, such a valuable point to to bring up. It's um, Mate, I just want to say it's been a pleasure, Kevin. Um, really appreciate you coming on. And look, I hope we catch up again in person sooner rather than later. Um, thanks again. And like, I'll just – we'll leave it there. But, mate, great to have you on and really appreciate you sharing, sharing everything with us today. Thank you much. I appreciate the opportunity and I appreciate what you're doing. Would you like to learn more about how stepdads across the globe are joining forces in raising the next generation of leaders? Then head to www.stepdadsuccess.com and grab all the show notes plus a copy of the brand new tactical guide for creating more happiness, health, wealth and wisdom as a stepdad. And if you liked the podcast, please share it with other stepdads you know and leave us a review on iTunes. Again, that's www.stepdadsuccess.com for all the show notes and tactical guide. Come and join the new breed of stepdads, the growing group of leaders raising leaders.